Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Brought to you by Cloudinary, build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. Welcome back, perfect peeps, to CodingCat.dev. We have an exciting show today, all about uh, NX and some new features coming out. Um, I think we've titled this one NX Next Gen, so we'll see if that. Let's not call it that. <laughs> okay, I might have to uh, purge that title. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> on the show with me today, I have Katarina. Katarina, how are you doing today? Um, very well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a little chilly in Michigan uh, as we're recording this. It's it's like 10 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's it's cold. It's it's wintry. Uh, it's it's a fun mix that's happening right now. I'm still like recovering. I just got back from uh, not just got by. I had to like take a little break off my vacation and come back, and I promptly like got COVID and got sick, and I'm finally like vertical, and <laughs> it's exciting to like get moving again. Um. I want to get to know a little bit more about you, though. What is your uh, background? I noticed some crazy degrees that you have on LinkedIn. Can you, can you tell me about a little bit about your university days? Yeah, I can, actually. Um, so since I remember myself, I've always wanted to do programming of some sort, right? I always wanted to, to be a developer. Um, so... I finish school and I get into computer engineering school, dream come true and everything, you know. Uh, but I have a best friend. We, we've been best friends since we were three years old. And we always did the same things, like went to the same schools, went to the same everything. And she went to architecture school. So I was visiting her there and I was seeing that they were doing all these artistic little drawings and sculptures and everything, like in the first year of architecture school. So I thought, maybe it will be fun to study architecture. <laughs> <laughs> so I left the computer engineering school and did a five years degree in architectural engineering, nice. which was fun. It was, was five nice years of my life. I had a very good time in architecture school, but I knew it wasn't for me. So right after I finished the degree, I went back to programming. So I went, I did, um, actually first I did a master's degree um, on spatial data visualization, which was, it was very nice because it had, we did a lot of data analysis, you know, we did regression and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, but it also had a spatial aspect, which I could connect to my previous studies so that I could take this degree, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And then I went back to computer engineering school to take some, some lessons there. And yeah, I went right back on track. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So when yeah. you, when you do like spatial analysis and things like that, are you, uh, so I was, I worked in the office furniture industry for years and we always talked about like laying out floor plans and things like that. Is that the kind of like analytics that you were doing? Was no, it was, okay. yeah, it was more like large scale data. So uh -huh. for example, because I was in London, we had UC, UCL gave us data, for example, for the com commuters of the London underground, for example. Okay. Gotcha. And we were to do like projections and visualizations of this data and yeah, this type of thing. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, it was very cool. It was very cool. Any, any findings that you uh, kind of worked on some data sets and you're like, whoa, didn't expect that? 
I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so You're maybe like, it wasn't something that's memorable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so yeah. throughout throughout kind of university and things like that, you of course started working. And uh, how did you get like into the computer field after that? Yeah, so yeah, right after my master's degree, I came here to the computer engineering school and I took some postgraduate classes. And through these, I found a job at a research institute here in uh, in Athens at the, at the department of informatics of that uh, research institute. So there I slowly got into like, like a full day, full time job of programming, which was cool. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I spent two years there on that research institute. We mainly did like um, research projects for the European Commission, and it was more like proof of concept type of thing. But it was very interesting because we were a group of um, people around my age, and we all like collab collaborated together. And yeah, we're still best friends. With we still hang out. Everyone has left this place, but we still hang out like we're you know old classmates. <laughs> That's really cool. And what, what kind of uh, languages were you writing when you first started out? Mm, so I started out like in university and right after university. In university, I used mainly R and Python for data analysis. But afterwards, I really liked uh, JavaScript and TypeScript eventually. Right. First JavaScript. So yeah. And the first, my first like full blown web application i wrote with angular 1.3 i think oh my goodness wowzers i never the first I never, like production uh, <laughs> application yeah. i never um got into angular version one or angular js as we as we know it now my yeah. my first foray was angular 2 into that kind of world so i don't know why but angular js never quite clicked for me so i never went down that road i guess <laughs> i think i still spent some time uh in progress and jquery and things like that so after after that kind of initial you're getting into typescript and and things what was i mean at some point you started to become more of like a, a senior level is that when you got into nx or was there a few steps between them. Yeah. So, so after I left the research institute, I've, I had a couple of other jobs here in Greece and eventually I started speaking at conferences. And the way I started speaking at conferences is because I was all the time online trying to educate myself on Angular sure. and I was seeing all these Angular conferences happening and I thought, Hey, I want to do that, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it also gave me an incentive to, to try out things on my own and build things on my own. Uh, so I started going to conferences and when you go to conferences, you meet new people, you learn about new technologies and you have the incentive to try new things. So you, you're sort of forced to, to sort of do more things on your own. And I think gradually through that, I learned more things and through conferences, I also met Tracy Lee and then she had an opening at her company, this dot, and I interviewed there. And uh, yeah, I, I was working with uh, with Tracy for a couple of years. And I think this was a great ramp up in my career because, of course, Tracy trusted me and she had trusted me in a very good client of theirs. And they had a very large Angular application. So there I really got into Angular and building more large scale applications and everything. So gradually after that, I, yeah. 
I think I, I learned more things. And then I applied to, to Narwhal back then and yeah, nice. got the job. <laughs> I, I just want to show real quick. Um, so this dot is, <laughs> is kind of where Tracy, uh, I think Tracy and a couple others started this company. Um, yeah. Back probably five, six probably longer than that now it's been a while um but they do have some some great portfolio sites some services that they offer but they also have uh conferences right that's that's kind of the the mix that happens there yeah exactly they do a lot of podcasts and uh yeah they're very much into community stuff and this was like right up my alley <laughs> i really like that that aspect yeah. and tracy is amazing she's an amazing employer and she's She's an amazing mentor. She's like she, she gives you an energy, you know. To I don't know. Yeah, I'm I very much Tracy, inspired by her. I met Tracy in Atlanta. Oh gosh, it's been probably four or five years ago now. So great person, really awesome. Yeah. Um, probably the the Norwell. So since we brought that up, um, if people don't know what a Norwell is, do you want to give a, a brief description of first the the animal the Norwell? <laughs> Yeah, I'll find so a real quick. <laughs> the narwhal, I think, is like the unicorn of the sea. <laughs> it's like a seal with uh, one task. How do yeah. you call it? So my yeah. my wife still doesn't believe this is an actual animal, and I talk about <laughs> and narwhal all the time. But this is this is kind of an image of it, and you'll see. As described, the the tusk that comes out looks kind of like a unicorn um, yep. <laughs> uh, creature, and so uh, I think it's Jeff and there's some others that started Norwal in the beginning. Right? Jeff and Victor, they were both in the Angular team, yeah. and they left Google and the Angular team, and they started Norwal and NX. And probably, yeah, what, what they're most famous for then is, is NX. And uh, we're going to jump all into NX. And that's where you work now. So it's a, a perfect fit. Um, we're going to take a quick pause and, and do an ad break. And then we'll dive into NX. Cloudinary allows you to remove any unwanted backgrounds so you can reuse assets efficiently. You can also erase objects and people from images for placement in new experiences. For more engaging content, easily turn static images into dynamic animations and rely on smart cropping to always deliver assets with a focus on the most relevant objects to your brand. Cloudinary Programmable Media. Build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. Huge thanks over to Cloudinary. Really appreciate you guys for sponsoring us. Uh, love working with Colby and the folks over there. And I've been a, a Cloudinary first MDE and now ambassador for many years. So I'm super stoked to have that sponsorship in here now. Okay, Katarina, tell me, like NX has gone through a lot of iterations recently, exciting ones. They've added new frameworks over the years. I think when I first initially got into NX, it was mostly mm -hmm. Angular. What is happening now? Where do you want to get started with it? Actually, yeah. let, me, let me prompt you with this. What is NX, first of all? <laughs> so I'll give you the elevator pitch and then we yeah. So NX is a powerful open source build system that enhances developer productivity, optimizes CI performance, and maintains code quality. So what does that mean? <laughs> um, 
I hope so you have that written down. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I do. I do have that written down. Of course, <laughs> I don't. When, I, when I'm speaking about what an X is, I want like to use the official language. Yes. You know? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> when I speak about my code, I can say whatever I want. When I speak about <laughs> an X, I have to use. You know, uh, nobody's asking me. You know, I just want to feel good with myself afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, an X is a build system. That means that um, when you add an X to your project, it sort of takes care of orchestrating your builds. It helps you set up um, set up your tasks, what you run, like you run a build task, you run a serve task, you run a, a test task, everything, all these run through an X. And the benefit of an X is that an X caches your artifact and has an intelligent code analysis algorithm. Yeah, maybe this is not the official language, but this is how I interpret it. That understands if your code has changed from one commit to the other, of course, and rebuilds and retests only things that have changed and also caches these results. And whenever you rerun a build, for example, or rerun a test, it fetches these results from the cache. Also, what an X does. We also have now the, the workflows that if you have an X cloud or if you're using an uh, X cloud, um, all of these uh, get synchronized with the NX cloud and you can share all these artifacts with other people from your team. And also an X distributes uh, your tasks into multiple machines, for example, multiple agents is what we call them. So for example, if you have a monorepo that has 10 different projects, NX intelligently allocates the build of all these projects into different machines. Wow. So it, it, it does make your CI much, much faster and everything more efficient. But what's more is that with NX, we have uh, code generators. Uh, we have plugins, what we call plugins, which are integrations with, um, with popular frameworks, as we said. And I started off as an extension of the Angular CLI, but we have now plugins for like most of the major frameworks, like for React, for Vue, for Nux, then we have for Vite, for Webpack. So that means that you can run all these tools through NX and we have code generators that set up projects for you for these tools, like instead of running Create React App, which doesn't exist anymore, you can set up a project using like NX generate a React application or NX generate an Angular application, NX generate a Next application or whatever else you may need. So this ensures that you have like a, a strict, not a strict, like an opinionated architecture and some, and ensures like a, a uniform uh, code quality across your code base, right? So, and that helps very much with code maintenance, I'm sure, and uh, code share, I don't know if that's a word, but yeah, yeah, code sharing, okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, when so when we talk about like the, the CI build, like that makes sense to me. Um, there's you know GitHub Actions and, and things like that where they run. But when you're doing things locally, um, what are some more of the the caching aspects that you start to get into with NX? Uh, so as I said. Um, so say you have a monorepo and you have 10 different projects in that monorepo and you no know, project A uh, is dependent on project B and project B is dependent on project C. Um, 
if you were not using an X, every time you made a change, you would have to build project A, project B, project C. But now, and if you now if you change just project B, NX will understand that project C is unchanged, so it will fetch the results from your local cache, and it will just rebuild the other two. So this is how it it ideally works. Nice, that makes sense. That's really cool. Um, and I was I'm kind of curious. There's some some new features. Are you uh, ready to talk about those? Yeah, so first let me give some background in order for these new features to make some sense. Um, sure. So as I said, NX started as um, as an extension of the Angular CLI. So the first thing that NX had, it, how you know how in Angular you have an Angular JSON, and in that Angular JSON you have all the configurations for your project, right? You have your architect, and you have your targets, you configure your build, you configure your serve. Uh, NX used to have that. Still has it used to have that, that called workspace JSON, and it will be like a very big workspace JSON file that would have the configuration for all your projects in your workspace. And for each project, you would add the settings for uh, your build target, for your serve target, and everything. Then we broke up workspace JSON into individual project JSON files that would reside in each project's directory, right? And in that project JSON file, again, you would have what we call the targets, or rather what Angular used to call the targets within the architect um, property of that Angular JSON. Uh, these targets, like, again, build, serve, test, that would inside have all the configurations for these targets, let's call them. Um, sure. So on an X, when we started, when they started, because I wasn't there when they started adding more things. But yeah, let's say when we started adding more frameworks like React, what we would do is that since we are relying on workspace JSON or project JSON or however you want to call it, since we're relying on that and we are relying on targets, it means that we are relying on what we call executors. And executor is like a builder that you call. For example, if you call the Angular builder, this is like the executor. So we had to build these executors in order to build React in, and in order to be able to call the, I don't know if you build React with, with Webpack, in order to be able to call Webpack through an X, we would have to create, uh, to write an executor that is a wrapper around Webpack that we would call this wrapper through an X and this wrapper would call Webpack, right? Okay. Yep. So we would call Webpack programmatically. The same thing happened for Vite. Like last year when we when we added the, the Vite plugin in NX, uh, we wrote a wrapper that would call Vite programmatically. It would import the build function from Vite and it would just call build through NX. Um, so this. Um, so everybody who has used NX is familiar with this and uh, even people who have not used it, the way I explained it maybe helped them understand what this is. However, this caused some overhead as you may imagine, because if you have to maintain all these wrappers, it gives you flexibility, of course, and it gives you the ability to, to control what you want to pass, more what options you want to pass, and sorry, give me a moment. 
Let's edit this out. <laughs> I'll pause. For example, the build function of a tool gives you flexibility in because you you control you fine grainly control what users pass into this. If users pass some things, you can do some uh, some post processing on the things that the users pass and pass them the way NX would want them to, etc. So it's nice, but it creates some overhead in terms of maintainability, as you can imagine. Yeah. Because whenever an API changes, you have to sort of adjust your builder. And um, there was a there was an effort in the past cup the past year to try to make these builders as light as possible, like do as less overhead as possible. Um, eventually, during NX Conf that happened in uh, New York in September this year. Um, an idea was um, was in the works. I was not part of this idea. It I learned about it later, but an idea was in the works among some people from the company that what if we don't have any executors at all? What if we throw away Project JSON or Angular <laughs> JSON or whatever you want, and we invoke the the CLIs of all these tools directly? And okay. we thought that's an amazing idea because the users will get the exact same results as they would get from running the CLI on their own. So instead of running, um, so they would get the same result if they run NX build and Vita build, for example. So that's amazing. That's what users want. Yeah. It removes the maintainability costs for us, but it also uh gets as close to the to the native experience as possible so this effort started and it's going very well and uh edit point here i guess uh or maybe not um since this podcast is going to be released after the launch week so now let's say it's mid-February or even the end of February. We will have already launched it. We don't have, as we're speaking now, we don't have a name yet, but there will be a name. <laughs> we decided it's not going to be next generation okay. uh, and it's not going to be V3. It's going to be something else. It's going to be a mystery name. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a whole new era for an X. Nice. So no executors, and I hope less GitHub issues saying this doesn't work as expected. <laughs> That's always and, a, a huge goal, right, for anything you and, do. Yeah, and if there is a GitHub issue saying this doesn't work as expected, I'm going to say, not our problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I will you provide. Have to say, just upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I will say a, a very, I, I will give them a very nice solution, but I will say we're just calling the native CLI. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm making a joke, of course, but yes, um, eventually what we will be doing with uh, with the new generation of NX or however we decide to call it, um, we NX is going to intelligently understand, no, it's going to understand, uh, it's going to read your files and it's going to look for tool configuration files. For example, if you're using Vite, you're, you have a vite.config.ts file. Or if you're using Cypress, you have a Cypress config file. Or sure. if you use Storybook, you have a .storybook directory. It's going to find all these config files 
And for all these config files, it's going to set up targets for you in the background without you actually seeing like configuration files. This is why we're, we're saying that we're going negative config now instead of zero config that we had in the past. Um, and it's going to create these targets by just directly calling uh, the vid CLI, for example, or the storybook CLI. And this is going to this is going to have two effects on the existing and the new workspaces. The effects are going to be that there's going to be much, much less configuration, like all the project JSON files that people used to have along with the Vita config file, for example, the Cypress config are going to go away. Everything you want to configure is going to be going into the native configuration file of the tool you're using. And this is very, in my opinion, it's very good because you, you have like a single point where a single source of truth, right? You yeah. have the, the, the vid config file, and this is your source of truth. And you know that everything that's happening is in there. So you don't have to like think, hmm, I have the port set in vid config, but what port do I have in project JSON? You know, sure. so it's one, one place for everything. And I think that's very nice. And I think that it strips down the extra overhead that an X has and just leaves the bare minimum, which the bare minimum of an X, in my opinion, and the most essential thing of an X is all its offerings with the cache, the affected, the distributed task execution, everything that makes your, your code run fast, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it strips down all the, the things that, that may have thought, that may have made people thought that it's like um, it's difficult to adopt, right? So because right now, if you have like an existing workspace, if you have a, a React application that you created with Create React App or with, uh, I don't know, the Vite CLI, with, you did Create Vite React App or I don't know, I remember how it's called, you will just do NX init and then NX init will create an NX.json for you, connect it to NX Cloud if you want and run your commands through NX and you, without like, Changing to to parse like adding an NX JSON, adding a dot NX folder, and installing a couple of packages in your package JSON, you will have all the benefits of an X like from the start. You will have your cache, you will have your everything, and you will not need anything else like any boilerplate, any extra configurations, nothing. So I think that increases the adoptability of an X like yeah. a lot. And so, what were the <coughs> what in the past those wrappers like what? How how is it possible that you're not using the wrappers now? Like what what information was being stored there that doesn't exist anymore, and where does that go? Mm, so let me talk about the the Vita wrapper, okay. the Vita yeah. executor, because it's uh, a great example. Since yeah, everyone's using Vita now. <laughs> since everyone's using Vita, and since it. Uh, Myself and Jack mostly build it, so I have the most experience with it. Um, Perfect. Because I have hands-on experience with. It. So what we would do is we would um, we would have like we would import the build uh, the build function, and we would adjust some outputs, some inputs in there from it, and we would set up watch. We would manually set some things that don't need to be added manually if you're using the VCLI, right? So we would wrap this in a function, like in um in an 
iterable, I think, and we would return that. And then X would call that iterable, that would call build and would give back results, for example, if you were using watch or it would set up the outputs, everything. Now we just remove this. And when you're calling an X, an X has a, like a function that's uh, that we call run command, which will run like will run an exact sync or I don't know what uh, of Vita build of running the Vita CLI. <clears throat> and I in the beginning, I when I, we first started this, it seemed like how is this possible? Because we have all these executors that do so many things. But once we started stripping them down, we saw that it wasn't such a big deal after all. And I know this because in Vite, we were doing a lot of things in the executor, in, in the wrapper or the sure. executor. We were, we were doing a lot of things. For some reason, I had had a lot of overhead. I had had a lot of assumptions. So the first thing I did before uh, having the ability to remove it, I started stripping it down, stripping it down, adding all the things that were set, that were either hard-coded or set in the executor, putting them in Vita config of users so that eventually I we arrived at a place where the Vita executor was stripped down to just calling build. And then it was easy to just remove it. You know, it was like a step-by-step -step process. Nice. That's yeah. really cool. It's it's like simplifying everything while still giving you exactly what you need and probably what you wanted <laughs> from the get-go. So it's kind of, yeah. it's it's overall keeping things as simple as possible, which is really cool. Yeah, because um, people don't come to an X for the executors. People come right. to an X for, for the cache and the fast things and the generators, yeah, right? Exactly. Because it's the two things you need, the generators and for your CI to be fast. So there yeah, you and go. The, the generators are really cool, um, especially like when you look at the VS Code, like uh, plugins and, and things like that. It's It's really neat how fast you can move along with that stuff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I wanted to bring up, um, just for those who haven't seen this before, so we were just kind of talking about the plugin side of this. So this is kind of what a plugin looks like in the IDE. Something else that I wanted to show that's right by this, though, is the graph. Can you just talk a minute about kind of how the, the actual NX uh, project graph works and, and those dependencies and, and the flow works in that? No, I can't. <laughs> no, the reason I can't is because it's I I am not sure I'm going to explain it very well. Okay. But but wait, I have a trick up my sleeve. If you go to the NX website, okay, and you click the AI chat tab, Ooh, uh, you can ask. Can you explain? It's, uh, yeah, go to getting started or something. Uh, okay. Yep, and go ah, to AI chat. Nice. Can you explain how graph works? <laughs> I've, I've never worked on the graph, right? And the graph sure. in my mind is the most complicated thing of NX, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no! For me, it, it works on my machine, by the way. <laughs> it's probably, hang on, let me try it with shields down. Uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's the most complicated and smart part of an X, to be honest, I haven't worked on the graph ever, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare try to explain <laughs> it on a podcast. 
the cool part, and I, I'm by. I know what it is, but I don't that's, know how it's set up. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I don't know why this doesn't work for me, but um, okay. <laughs> I think you, I think you explained it pretty well. Just in the determination of like when you're creating packages and things, it knows that you know these three things need to be tested and run because there was a change downstream that could affect that, right? Whereas mm -hmm. these other four, six, or ten things that you are working on that don't have anything to do with that, the graph shows you exactly like here's why they're connected and how they're connected. So it's always been a really cool feature that uh, I've I've seen in NX, and I think Turbo does something similar to this, but I don't think it's as graphical as NX has. So um, I haven't used Turbo, but have yeah, you ever have you used Lerna before NX by chance? I haven't. Okay, I, I think haven't. so. Lerna, Lerna used to be my go-to mono repo, but it it changed over time. And then I believe uh, the Norall team or the NX team, yeah. however you want to look at it, uh, you guys have taken over kind of maintaining that. But mm -hmm. I feel like at the same time, it's probably lost a little bit of what it used to be because there's so many new tools that are out there that are doing like some advanced stuff like this that it's it's not as popular as it used to be. I guess I, I haven't used it. <laughs> what other uh, additional changes are there? I know like you've been working on the, the Vite side of things and it, it seems like everything is, is going to be run by Vite uh, in the future. Is there um, anything like I use like PMP workspaces a lot. Is there integrations to, to that as well? Like what I've... in the mono repo world do you know of that's coming up? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I think we do have integrations with uh, PMBM or Yarn Workspace or whatever, or we definitely uh, provide guides on how to use an X on these or how to migrate okay. from the an X. Um, yeah. Um, what else? So I know that, for example, in the, the terms of, I know that now tools are, I've seen that tools uh, have started taking into account monorepos more, right? Yeah. I know it started with Storybook, with taking into account that someone may be on a monorepo, so they, whenever you run a command with a Storybook CLI, they allow you to pass like the, the config directory that you should use, right? And uh, when we were working on on building this Storybook 7 migration on an X for Storybook, uh, we worked a lot with the storybook team to sort of uh, close some gaps in terms of uh, supporting monorepos, right? Nice. Cool. Yeah. And storybook was very cool to do that. Uh, I know now that we test, they also have a new uh, support for monorepos, which I haven't fixed on the NX side yet. <laughs> and I should. It's on my list of to do this or next week but yeah now apparently if you're using vtest on a monorepo you can add some configuration files and just make it work in a monorepo so i think it's very nice that all these tools natively try to do things to support monorepos yeah it's it's exciting that that's finally kind of coming to fruition it's it was tough you know using some of these automated ci tools in the past and it's really come around it's it's awesome i think it's one of the it's going to be one of the biggest Maybe not changes, but additions in 2024 since they've been around a long time now. Um, people are supporting them. I hope that like tools like NX that aren't run by like the Vercells or, or bought up by them, like they continue to be supported equally too. 
Uh, am I missing anything else about NX? Mm-hmm. Not that I can think of. Katerina, where are you speaking at next? <laughs> where, where can people find you next? So my next but previous as of the airing of this podcast is NG India. So I'm going to be speaking in India about NX, about Angular and NX. I've never been to India before, and yeah, I'm going to Delhi, and I'm pretty excited. My best friend is coming with me, so I guess we're going to have some fun there, too. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and then I'm going to NGConf in, uh, yeah, in, in March, which, nice. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking hoping, forward I'm to. I'm hoping to make it out there. Maybe I can say hello oh, to you. We'll yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love going to NGConf. <laughs> Um, all right, let's jump into our perfect picks. Uh, I will let you go first if you're if you're up for it. Yeah, sure. So I'm a great fan of the three-body problem. If you're not familiar, the three-body problem or the remembrance of Earth's past is a trilogy by Liu Cixin, like um, a Chinese writer. And I think it's the greatest... Um, work of uh, fiction that's been written ever. (laughs) This is what I believe, yes. Um, And it's it's, I've I've read the whole series twice. Um, Yeah, and I'm going to read it a third time, definitely. And they are making a series out of it. I'm a bit, uh, I'm very excited to see it because I'm very excited to see how all these uh, people that I've imagined they're going to look like. I'm also a bit terrified because sometimes, you know, you never, when you're a reader, you never, you're never fully satisfied with what you see. The image in your head that you've built. Yeah. But still, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. So, yeah. That's really cool. So, how many? It's coming March 21st. Yeah. Sorry. How many many books are in the series? Uh, Three. Okay. There's three. Gotcha. Interesting. I've never heard of this. I'll have to uh, dive into it a little more. Uh, A fun fact, a lot of people who work at NX are fans of the three-body problem. Ah, very cool. Victor being one of them. Max, I know, is also a fan. And more people from the company. So, yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) That's cool. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, My pick, and kind of the same vein, is a TV show I... I watched, so I really messed this up. I think it was when I had COVID, like first time or second time. This is terrible. It's my fifth time having COVID, which has been fantastic, by the way. Um, so I was watching this and it skipped. Like something on Hulu happened where I went from like season one, episode five to season two, episode two or something. And I like, I didn't know it. And my friends like asked me about like, well, what about X, Y, and Z? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that at all. Oh, and so no. I realized like it actually skipped on me and my wife hadn't seen it yet. And so we actually, um, while we were both sick again with COVID, uh, <laughs> we, we watched over the course of four days, both seasons. So it was, it was super fun to kind of go back and see it from the beginning. Uh, if you haven't seen the show yet, try to make it 
through like the first few episodes are pretty hard to watch like it's just it, it's like gritty like it's in your face um but like once you get into it it really opens up in season two there's some of the best writing and cinematography that i've seen it it really blows my mind so i think it's it's won a couple of awards now grammys or grammys uh whatever things that are coming out now uh it seems to be winning so i think people are appreciating it more yeah, I was gonna say we we watched the first two episodes, but they were very intense. So they're we very intense. Stopped. You gotta like, like I would say probably by the fourth episode it starts. Okay. To, I mean, it's it's not a like subtle show. It's it's in your face for sure. So okay, um, maybe and I don't we'll mean in a scary way. People people that know me and know the show. I don't watch scary movies. So. <laughs> uh, it's it's just more of like family drama type stuff and like yelling and things like that 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 kind of in your face so uh i was gonna ask you a random question that i had on my list like i found it uh how is jeff's pig doing uh i was so happy that i got to actually pet the pigs last year nice we went yeah when we went so last year, the the company get together was in Arizona, and we actually went and visited Jeff's farm, and we actually That's got awesome. to pet the pigs. Yeah, That's I so can cute. show you a picture if you want, if I find it fast. <laughs> I do want to see it. Um, so this is this is always if you float around NX or if you've known Norwell or Jeff uh, over the course of the years. They they have this farm and <laughs> the pigs are pigs are like amazingly intelligent. So uh, I've always been told like don't have a pig as a pet in your house because they'll get into everything. They're they're very uh, creative at opening things. Yeah. Okay. Found the picture. Let me share. Mm -hmm. Present. Share screen. <laughs> uh, window. Okay, here it is, the Aww, pig. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was huge. I don't know if I have that. Yeah. Quite big. Look. <laughs> What's the name? I forget. Isn't it something funny? Cheddar. Cheddar, that's right. I always yeah. want to say bacon. I'm like, that's too obscene. I don't think it's bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Katarina, thank you so much for showing us all the new features on NX, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All right. Enjoy. Ciao. Bye.